So a lot of fucking DC stuff happened. Oh boy. And instead of really picking like one story at a time, we're just going to be like, here's a bunch of DC shit happened. This is the big DC show. And then, you know, we'll move on to the B-roll and the box office and all that stuff. But even the box office has to do with DC. It's a fucking DC show, everybody. Welcome. I curse <laughs> in the first minute. The advertisers won't like that, but that's fine. Yeah. Ah, f- fuck them. Anyway, we got a hell of a show for you guys today. Lots of DC stuff in case you haven't fucking picked that up yet. So where do you want to begin? I don't even, I'll let you take lead on this one. Let's do this. Um, Andy Muschietti, who has the director of The Flash, which is currently in theaters, uh, has been tapped to direct Batman the Brave and the Bold, which mm-hmm. is James Gunn's Batman movie. Yes. And that is um, very interesting news. Uh, I'm excited. The internet's decided to turn on Andy Muschietti because of The Flash, a movie that I think is actually kind of good. Mm-hmm. But it's weird that they're turning on him now because I've always liked him as a filmmaker and the Batman stuff in The Flash, whether you like Flash or not, the Batman stuff for both Batman was the best part of the movie. So I liked both it movies. Yeah. And I think the direct, like the action scenes with the Batman, like you said, were yeah. all solid. They were great. If Yeah. So I I think it's a good choice. However, I am curious that one of the first, not the first, but one of the first things James Gunn does is hire somebody from the old regime to make a movie in his universe. I know he's trying to be polite because apparently he's reached out to all the former people saying Mm -hmm. like, hey, let's work together in some fashion. I don't know if it's the best decision to go down, but I also think he should have just fucking completely rebooted everything instead of doing like a... Yeah. 25% reboot or a 75% reboot I should say. Yeah, I think the issue with that is is like you said it's if people had this weird hatred of the old regime which mm-hmm. they did a lot of shitty stuff and yeah. the movies weren't that great. It's not going to instill a lot of confidence when you're all gung-ho about moving forward and then you're just treading old ground again. Yeah. And I'm going to pull a quote yeah. uh, here in regard to The Flash. Uh, the story originally comes from Deadline, but I'm pulling from Hollywood Reporter. Mm-hmm. Might have been Variety. It was one of those. Uh, this is quoting James Gunn. We saw The Flash even before taking the reins at DC Studios and knew we were in the hands of not only a visionary director, but a massive DC fan. Uh, Gunn and Saffron said in a statement, It's a magnificent film, funny, emotional, and thrilling, and Andy's affinity and passion for these characters and this world just resonates through every frame, so when it came to find a director for The Brave and the Bold, there was really only one choice, and luckily Andy said yes. It goes on to explain that Barbara and their production company, Barbara Muschietti, Andy's sister, and their production company is going to produce the film, help produce the film as well, which I think is exciting. And this is where it gets interesting. Um, Christina Hodgson, who has written um, Birds of Prey, she wrote The Flash, and she wrote Batgirl before it was canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, also writer of films such as Bumblebee, which I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hollywood Reporter says, It's unclear if the project has a writer. According to sources, Christina Hodgson, who wrote The Flash, was circling, but stopped working on it to go work on Fast and Furious 11. And it's unknown whether a writer <laughs> has been hired, given the current, writer stri- the current writer strike. So she was like, have fun with Brave and the Bold. I'm going to go do Fast and Furious. And a lot of people were questioning that move of like, why would they do that? Like they had Batman Brave and the Bold right there. And I completely understand the decision. So they kind of did scrap a whole ass movie that she wrote. Yeah. One, two, she's written in the Batman world. She's done Birds of Prey. She's in the Flash, which had a ton of Batman. And it was not like that itch isn't scratched. Yeah. And three, from a pressure standpoint, writing the first Batman movie under James Gunn, 
or writing Fast and Furious 11 after Fast and Furious 10 that we just got. Mm -hmm. I feel like Fast and Furious 11 is much less pressure than doing this. Like, you could say it's pressure because it's the last Fast and Furious movie, but fucking, it's been a train wreck. Allegedly. So, yeah, but it's been a train wreck. So, it's like, I I can go. I I don't know. Can she write satire? (laughs) (laughs) I'm stealing that from Kyler. (laughs) That's great. I I think, I think she, I think if anyone can make it satire to everyone else, but convince Vin Diesel that it's serious. Yeah. It is her. <laughs> well, well, here's also the thing when it comes to Batman, right? Yeah. With the DCEU, Batman never had a solo movie. Correct. Which is fucking yes. ridiculous. But if I'm you look so at the Flash, Batman it. was a minor character in it. Yeah. Right? Both Batman yeah. were relatively small roles. Yeah. The writing was great. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to a mainstream Batman movie... You're competing against Robert Pattinson in the Matt Reeves universe. Yep. You have to compare to the right. You have to. You have to try to compete with the writing, the action. Everything has is going to end up inevitably being compared to that. Yep, that's true. And I think that the Batman with Robert Pattinson is a fantastic movie. Yes. I think it was great tonally. Everything very different from kind of the Marvelness that we've been getting with the DCU. Yes. That's a lot more pressure too. Yeah. And you know you're going to have inevitable comparisons to it. And as a writer, do you want to take that on with that? Especially with your Batman writing being, while in the universe, still very limited. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want that pressure. Yeah. no. And I, I would also go write Fast 11. Yeah, same. Like I, I could I, say Cargo Fast. <laughs> I fully, fully agree with you. Like I think those are all excellent points. Yeah, both are about family. Yeah. But however, I think it's an interesting choice for Andy Muschietti. Mm-hmm. Because I think he feels like he has something to prove. And I think I feel like he felt that way with Flash as well, because he made it a movie that we knew was going to be successful, but not to the level of success that it obtained. Like that movie, if you look at the box office of that movie, mm-hmm. it's insane how much money that, that for especially that first movie made. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I think it made almost eight hundred million dollars. That is fucking crazy for an R-rated horror movie. It mm-hmm. doesn't happen. No. And um, I think he wanted to make. The Flash to prove, like, oh, I can make a tenpole DC film. And if anyone who's seen The Flash knows, he really wants to make a Batman movie. <laughs> and him directing Batman, and I think kind of being the first movie to have Robin in so many years, I think he just kind of looks like, what's the next challenge for me? Am I capable of doing this? And I'm looking forward to what Andy does with Brave and the Bold. I think he's going to do a great job, yeah. personally. I'm excited that he's going to be doing that. Um and other DC stuff going on. Criticism of the Flash aside, too, the direction wasn't was great. an issue. Yeah. yeah. And I know people are giving him flack because, like, Grant Gustin's not in the movie and this and that. I mean, at the end of the day... If you look at the movie, that you what you got. What we got was good. The direction was fine. Yeah. You know, just some of the CG wasn't, but, you know, yeah, it happens. Um, Moving on to other DC stuff going on. And sorry that it's not more structured. There was just so much DC stuff happening. Uh... I want to talk about The Flash a little bit. And um, I will say this. If you've never seen The Flash, I'm going to spoil the last scene in The Flash and the surprise that happens. If you haven't seen it, uh, go down in the description. I have timestamps for other parts of the episode where you can get to the B-roll in the box Mm -hmm. office. Please use that to skip to that now uh, because I am going to spoil The Flash for this next story. With that out of the way. Um, an interesting report has come out from a Hollywood reporter mm-hmm. uh, talking about the Flash was in a unique position of that it was filmed and edited over three different Warner Brothers regimes 
that all had different agendas. In production hell for what ten years yeah. of directors and yeah. writers and and with it being under three different regimes, all with different agendas, and being a universe-changing movie, all three gave them stuff to do. So this movie has three different endings that were shot. And I think with all the behind-the-scenes drama that happened in terms of the production of the movie itself, not yeah. things actors do. Mm-hmm. Um, what we got between all that, because there have been things that have been much worse Yeah, in terms of that much of a heavy hand of a studio on the production. Yeah. Justice League. Um <laughs> But go on. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed that. Uh, But basically, um, I'm going to read a lot here, Mm -hmm. but it's all relevant to how interesting that this gets. So here were the different endings of The Flash and everything that kind of happened with them. Uh, The Flash, as it was originally conceived and shot, ended on the courthouse steps with Supergirl, played by Sasha Kaye, Batman, played by Michael Keaton, who was already featured throughout the movie as a return to Batman, It was meant to highlight that Barry did not reset the timeline as he originally thought he did. It was an ending that was screen tested several times and one of the reversed and one that reversed the deaths of Supergirl and Batman earlier in the film. However, the movie got caught in the lightning storm that was Discovery's acquisition of Warner Brothers in 2022. Emmerich and Hamada, who were the original heads of the studio, were ousted and Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav was on the hunt for an executive to run DC. In the meantime, Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abdi were installed as Warner Brothers Pictures chairs, persons, and CEOs, and they were tasked with overseeing DC in the meantime, and certainly not unexpectedly had their own plans. And I'm now stepping away from the article. They've mentioned before, or not them themselves, but it's been mentioned before that they had actually planned on doing one more Justice League movie and one more Superman film with Henry Cavill before rebooting. That was their plan before they brought on James Gunn. Mm -hmm. So they were taking steps to ensure that, now going back into the article, a new Flash ending was conceived. This new version was still in the courthouse steps, but now Kaye Supergirl was joined by Superman, played by Henry Cavill, and Wonder Woman, played by Gal Gadot. Keaton also remained. DeLuca and Abley believed they were being strategic with the ending because Cavill was going to cameo for DC movie Black Adam and was being teed up to return in a role for a brand new Superman movie. Supergirl was retained because even though the executives were killing the development of a standalone Supergirl movie, they were open to her returning in some form and didn't want the last image audience saw of her would be her death at the hands of General Zod. (laughs) Meanwhile, the studio was developing a third installment of Wonder Woman with filmmaker Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot. This was a nice way to keep Wonder Woman in the cultural conversation. This ending was shot in September, involving Miller, Cavill, and Gadot, as well as Keaton and Kaye. September? Okay. Of 2022. Mm -hmm. Then came another lightning strike. In November, Zaslav announced that uh, filmmaker James Gunn and producer Peter Safran were set to run DC Studios, overseeing all DC film and television efforts, and suddenly, and certainly not unexpectedly, they had their own plans. Knowing that they were resetting the DC Universe under their own vision, Gunn and Safran saw that having Cavill and Godot in the new ending was potentially promising something they knew their plans were not going to deliver. Get this. One of the first actions the duo took when they were pointed ahead of the studio was to scrap the Cavill Superman sequel and part ways with Patty Jenkins, effectively killing the third Wonder Woman movie. Well, that was a, that's all been previously reported. Yeah, yeah, but like apparently, move one and two were oh like, no Superman, no, yeah. no Wonder Woman. Like we're doing away Shut with that. that. Shit down. Uh, the filmmakers, according to multiple people associated with the movie, then looked for alternatives but wanted to keep the gem of the idea. 
Barry Allen thinks everything is fine, but then has the rug pulled out from him at the last moment. They also went back to an idea joked about earlier in the filmmaking process, how many Batman can we get? Big spoiler for the movie. This is when George Clooney was brought up as a long shot, but then Gunn and Saffron jumped on the notion. The duo reached out to Clooney's agent at CAA, showing him a cut of the mostly finished film. He liked it and showed it to Clooney. Clooney liked it and agreed to be a part of the film. A quick shoot was assembled on a January morning. This January. (laughs) On the Warner Brothers lot, Clooney was there as Wayne, back for the first time in 26 years. Also on set was Ezra Miller, making their first appearance on the lot since the fateful day in August when he met with Warner Brothers to discuss their controversial behavior. Miller was in top form that day, sources say, for what was described as a quick and efficient shoot. Clooney and Miller spent some time together in between takes where the veteran actor had a talk with the younger actor, encouraging, giving him encouraging advice about how to handle being in the public eye and how he should be behaving. <laughs> That's so funny. Warner kept the new ending tucked away as much as possible. The studio didn't even screen test it. And when they screened it at CinemaCon for the theater owners in April, it stopped short of revealing who came to the courthouse steps. Same for us. Mm-hmm. The first time the new ending was seen by another filmmaker was at screening to the press the week of june 4th and the movie's premiere june 12th so that's a lot <laughs> that's Jeez. a lot sorry um that right there just kind of goes to tell you all the crazy shit that was going on with the flash and how through three different regimes it had to satisfy three different sets of people and it gives a good behind the scenes look too as to how everyone it makes sense why everyone was pushing this movie because it was important to all three regimes yeah although i gotta say I still don't know why it mattered to James. G- I mean, I get why he cut out Cavill and Godot because he didn't want to promise it if he was going to not do it. Yeah. But this clearly is not the universe that his movies are taking place in. It no. can't be. Yeah. And I am curious about that. Because at the very least, just they could have kept the Michael Keaton, Sasha Kaye ending. Yeah. At a minimum. At a minimum, yeah. Yeah. But I get going for the joke then if it's, you know, nothing's going to come I like yeah. the I like the ending. I love the joke. It's just that... Basically, what I'm confused at is we know it's not a full reboot because all the Suicide Squad people and Amanda Waller are staying. Yeah. But if they're... Basically, anything James Gunn did is canon. Yeah, right. But if they're staying... Basically, he's going to have to come out and say that those movies don't take place in the DCEU. Mm -hmm. Like, it has to be. Like, I don't know. Like... The Flash did clear things up a little bit in the multiverse. It definitely cleared up what their plan was before James Gunn. Yeah. That definitely cleared the air on what was going on there. But I'm wondering how it's still going to affect the movies ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, James Gunn's always been pretty open on social media. I'm sure when the time comes that he has to explain it, he'll sit down and explain it. And when it comes to, like, Peacemaker... Well, no, because Peacemaker has... Some cameos has in it. Ezra Miller and, and Jason Momoa. And Jason Momoa, that's true. That's why, that's why they're the only ones in the post credit scene. Because they stayed the same in everything. <laughs> and they God and they said yes to James Gunn for Peacemaker. Yep. That's so funny. I, I Here's what I want to know when they got Clooney. Did, do you think that they went through the list? And they said, okay, well, Val Kilmer has... Um, the voice. Has his, mm-hmm. his voice issues, and I believe he's retiring from acting. I know they brought him back in for Top Gun, yeah. but that's Top Gun. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. one of his major things mm-hmm. they're probably like let's probably just let him be they're looking at him they're like okay well Pattinson's its own thing right okay Clooney and Bale there's no way and he thinks I'm like, they're like I'm not gonna call Christian Bale and ask him are you gonna call are you gonna call Christian Bale and ask him I'm not gonna call him they're like let's try Clooney that had to be there was no way they reached out to Christian Bale no right? way 
No way. Because he, he's also been very adamant that the only way he does it is if Chris Nolan does it. Yes. So. I think it would have been interesting to kind of go into, like, if they threw in, because, you know, they already did alternate film history with it when they introduced Nick Cage's Superman. Spoilers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if they thought about reaching out to who was supposed to be Batman in Guillermo del Toro's Justice League Dark. I don't remember. Oh, nope. Never mind. No, 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 you're thinking of George Miller's Justice League movie. I'm thinking of George Miller's Justice League movie. Now that would have been a cameo. Never, ne- <laughs> Never mind. It was, for those, it was I, Army I Hammer, forgot everyone. That it, I forgot that it was Army <laughs> Hammer. That That's my bad. Oof. Oh, no, that's, that's so not funny. what I meant. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, that was kind of the, the epitome of all of the crazy DC stuff going yeah. on. With We got a director for Brave and Bold. We got all those different endings for The Flash. We're going to get into more stuff Christina with the box Hodgkins office. Christina Hodgson's. Yeah. We got more stuff coming your way with the box office. But before we get into the box office, we do have some B-roll headlines. We have a ton of B-roll headlines to bring to you. Nicholas, <laughs> let's rapid fire some B-roll, shall we? All right. Bear with me, folks. Okay. Oh, some other DC thing. We'll cap it off just in the B-rolly quick. Uh, the Penguin series uh, starring uh, Colin Farrell from the Matt Reeves Batman universe. One has been delayed yes. because of the ongoing writers, right? Yep. Two, but it has been confirmed to be TVMA. Fuck yeah. Which is neat. I'm all about it. Um, Upcoming next, uh, this Thursday, we have a new release of the Wes Anderson movie, Asteroid City. Yes. Uh, his next project, uh, which is a movie that hasn't been filming, but in between that, he has a short coming out that is 37 minutes long. It's called The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. It stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Deb Patel, Ray Fine, and Ben Kingsley, and will be releasing later this year on Netflix. That's stacked for a short film. <laughs> for 37 minutes, yeah. yeah. And it's based on a Ro- Roland Dahl book, yeah. I believe. yeah. Uh, Bradley Cooper is set to direct a movie called Is This Thing On, which will star uh, with Will Arnett set to write the script. Both will star in the film. Will Arnett needs this win so badly. And I'm not talking shit. Mm -hmm. I love Will Arnett and I want (laughs) to see him succeed. And I'm so happy that this is happening for him. I know him and Bradley Cooper are really close friends because I listen Mm -hmm. to the Smartless podcast. And him and Jason Bateman, Bradley Cooper, like super tight. Mm -hmm. If Bradley Cooper's next movie, Maestro, gets all the appraise that Star is Born got, we might be teeing up for a Will Arnett Oscar here. We might. Let's I mean, go. a nomination, which let's go. I would love. Me too. Uh, Radio Silence's secret monster movie at Universal, which already has a stack cast, has yeah. decided to stack it even more by adding Giancarlo Esposito to the list. Yes, which is awesome. And for those that don't know, Radio Silence is the team behind the new Scream films. And Ready or Not. Which is a fucking great movie. Um... Uh, <laughs> Warner Brothers really wants Christopher Nolan to return to them. <laughs> I was when I heard this story. Yeah. This is so funny. Uh, they invited Christopher Nolan back to the lot, and he has also been paid a seven-figure bonus for Tenet as a sign of good faith. <laughs> a seven-figure bonus. <laughs> Baby, come back. <laughs> you can blame it all on. Like that's look. I, I applaud Warner Brothers for trying to. Yeah, fracture the relationship. You, you know what I really think it comes down to on if he decides to go back? Because mm-hmm. I know he likes Warner Brothers a lot. Like, mm-hmm. he misses it. If Universal rolls out the fucking money for his Oscar campaign, yeah, and he finally wins an Oscar, which he never did under Warner Brothers. Oh, he's staying. He'll stay at Universal. I guarantee you that <clears throat> that is the... Qualifier. He's, qualifier. he's holding out. He's going to play coin. Until... But now, it's only if he wins because of a great campaign. Yes. Right? Like, if Universal spends the money campaigning for him, yeah. he'll stay. Because Warner I... Brothers never did, right? Well, they did, but not... not yes. Like, front runner. Like, yes. This is our yes. guy. Yeah. 
Uh, following the cult success of Terrifier 2, Terrifier 3 will be getting a wide theatrical release. I believe it'll start filming later this year. That's awesome. i sorry to admit this. I still need to watch both Terrifier movies. I have not seen it either, but... But I'm a big fan cool. of low-budget films doing exceptionally well, and Terrifier yes. 2 is a Cinderella story in that aspect. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fede Alvarez's Alien movie will be getting a theatrical release, releasing August 16th, 2024. Fuck yes, and we said that after yes, Prey. we said it After Prey, we were it. like, they need to not be fucking stupid and put this new Alien movie in theaters. I'm oh, especially with so the success that like, Boogeyman got and yes. Evil Dead Rise. Yes. All these case studies are Turns out, up. even when the mid-budget movie dies and the theatrical comedy dies, which hopefully gets revived with Joyride and No Hard Feelings, but turns out, guess what never dies? Horror movies. Nope. People will go pay watch horror movies always. All right. <laughs> Bear with me for this next one. We got a lot of release date changes here. Oh, let's go. All of the Avatar sequels have been delayed. I'm going to rattle them off for you here now. Avatar 3 will now release December 19th of 2025. Avatar 4 will now release December 21st, 2029. And Avatar 5 will now release December 19th, 2031. And the reason that they Holy moved, shit. I mean, a lot of these moves are because of the writer's strike and everything, mm-hmm. but the reason that why they moved it from December 20, uh, 25 and not 26 is because they moved Star Wars to Star Wars movies to May of 26 and December of 26. There's going to be six months apart Star Wars movies mm-hmm. and they don't, they, Disney refuses to release a Star Wars movie and an Avatar movie in the same to, at the same time, they won't do it. Well, also, Avatar 3 was competing with Sonic 3. <laughs> and, Fucking A. And Sonic 3 is bringing in Shadow. So I get why they're cowering. Jesus Christ, Nicholas. That was funny. Another big one. Marvel has changed all of their upcoming release dates. <laughs> yeah. Bear with me again here. Deadpool 3 has actually moved up six months Thank to May fuck. 3rd, 2024. Captain America, Brave New World, new title, uh, has moved to July 26, 2024. Thunderbolts will release December 20th, 2024. Blade will release February 14th, 2025. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Fantastic Four has released, is now moving to May 2nd, 2025. Avengers King Dynasty is May 1st, 2026. And Avengers Secret War, May 7th, 2027. And I'll say this. This is great news for Marvel. The CGI better be immaculate. <laughs> Not just the C- CGI, but like they've desperately needed to slow down. Mm-hmm. And of course, like the writer strike is why they're slowing down. But whatever the reason be, this is nothing but great news. And they're not stupid over there. And I think they're going to take this blessing in disguise of having more time and really use it to define and change up. Not change up, but to refine, I should say, what they're going to be doing, and this also buys them more time for the whole Jonathan Majors scenario. Well, here's the gamble with it, too, because I know a lot of the recent releases have had people's faith kind of shaken with Marvel. Yeah. So now you're still asking people to get hyped, knowing the next Avengers movie, what all these ideally are building toward, Mm -hmm. is still three, four years away, is a big ask. So I really hope that... You know, the next few releases, we have the Marvels coming out. I really hope Deadpool 3, Captain America, Thunderbolts all turn the tide on this. All they need is some wins. I think Guardians 3 was a huge win. That and, helped a lot. And we got Secret Invasion tomorrow. By the time this episode airs. Oh, that is tomorrow. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> I'm very excited. I like scrolls. I too. Yeah. 
But uh, but yeah, yeah, as long as that keep those good vibes going, <laughs> they'll be all right. <sighs> That's all the release date updates yep. for you all. Thank you, thank you. And uh, was there another B-roll about the Tadam event for Netflix? There is another B-roll event of the Tadam reference that I didn't have a photo of. <laughs> uh, Netflix recently did their Tadam event, mm-hmm. which is an awful name. Tadam. Um, <laughs> Some of the big highlights we'll address. Uh, Linda Hamilton, most famously Sarah Connor in the Terminator movies, has joined the uh, Stranger Things Season 5. Fuck yes, dude. Which is awesome, which also has delays because of the writer's strike. Yep. Um, We also got first look at the live-action Avatar The Last Airbender series. Uh, with some looks at the cast, all look They're, really good. I never watched the show, so they look I'll put great. That in your, they they your they there. look great, mm-hmm. and they they didn't release any new footage, but they had like an animatic of like the different logos of the tribes. Oh, that's cool. and it looked cool. And uh, they released a first trailer for the live action One Piece show. Yes, which looks interesting. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> yes, but yeah, I, I believe that was it for the B roll today. Yes, that is a lot of B roll. Heavy B roll. Heavy B roll. We it was a documentary today. over here. Yep. Lots of B roll. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's going to be like six filmmaking people who think that's funny. And uh, thank you for laughing. But uh, anyway, now with that down, we're going to move on to the box office. The box office. Section of our show. You guys are in for a fucking treat for the box office, guys. It's fucking gnarly. Here we go. Can you please pull up our predictions? Dalton, you had Flash as number one. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Transformers. Elemental. The Little Mermaid. Okay. I had Flash, Transformers, Spider-Man, Elemental, and The Little Mermaids. Basically, you and I have Spider and Transformers flipped. We both got it wrong. Naturally. As we often do. What? (laughs) Uh, The Flash came in number one, making only $55 million, (laughs) which is not good for what they wanted. Uh Elemental came in second. Oh, good for them. Making $29.5 million. Also not good for Pixar. <laughs> wow, we really had Elemental low, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, it, it did make low, but... Yeah. Uh, we had it know. fourth in yeah. our box yeah. offices. Yeah. Coming in third was Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, making $27.8 million. Coming in fourth with a 67% drop from week one to week two, Transformers Rise of the Beasts. How much did it make? $20 million. And coming in fifth, The Little Mermaid. How much? Eleven point six million. Ooh. Damn, Spider Man's still holding strong week three, huh? Yeah. That's pretty good. It is pretty good. And let's let's dive into some of the box office here, shall we? Let's do it. So first off, I wanted to look at this. Uh Elemental. Worldwide with its international Right now, it totals $44 million. And uh, let's find out what the production budget was. Elemental. I mean, animated movie, it's probably pushing 100 right? It's about average. Elemental was made for a budget according to THR of a $200 million, Nicholas. Ooh, they're not seeing that. Nope, nope. And... Maybe it's because, which Pete Docter, CEO of Pixar, has finally addressed that we've been saying forever, mm-hmm. when you train families to stay at home and watch Pixar movies on Disney+, Plus, they will stop going because yeah. it's expensive to go. He said a family of four, it costs a fortune. Yeah, and just, again, the the decision to put those movies to Disney+, Plus, such a bad idea, mm-hmm. Bob Paycheck. 
What a moron. He even lost money. The, the, the nickname doesn't even apply. Anyway. Um, so yeah, Elemental, not doing great. It's a bomb. I, I don't see it doing any better. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Mixed reviews, too. Yes. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse now has a worldwide box of a total of $489 million. It's going to cross five hundred dollars uh, by the end of the week, probably. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's already made 4.9 times its budget back. Across the Spider-Verse had a budget of a hundred, And look at how beautiful that movie is. Yeah. And let's see here. Transformers Rise of the Beast now has a worldwide total of 274. It'll probably get to 300 by the end of the week. It's only made um, 1.4 times its budget back on a $195 million budget. If it keeps dropping that much, it's going to turn out to be uh, not a very big success. Um, if it can stay in the top five, maybe, but it looks like everyone who saw it mm-hmm. saw it opening weekend. Please go see it so we can get <laughs> another movie yeah. with what they tease Please, the for the love of God, I'll be so mad. <laughs> um, the Little Mermaid is at $465 million worldwide. It's made 1.9 times its budget because it has that high 250 price tag. It may just reach profitability by the end of its run, but we'll have to see there. It'll be close. Mm-hmm. And uh, Transformers opened higher than Flash, by the way. So, let's get into the Flash. Let's do it. Opened fifty-five million right now worldwide. It's at one hundred and thirty million, on a budget of two hundred million. Uh, so far, it's made point seven times its budget back. We'll see how well it can hold next week. Mm-hmm. If the Jennifer Lawrence comedy beats it, that's not good. Because. If it drops 50, it'll drop to 30. There's no way that opens up to higher than 30, though. I don't think so either. I think it will be number one next week, but we'll have to see. But anyway. Yeah. The well, Asteroid City. Well, that's a limited release, right? Well, yeah, but th- that movie is not going to... Yeah, it's fair. It's not going to do crazy well. It, it, those kind of movies don't. It's going to be a great film, I think. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, regardless... Uh, I wanted to dive in a little bit into the box office for the DC world here, and I thought it would be fun to look at the box office, the opening weekend, and total worldwide grosses of the first three movies in the DCEU and the three most recent films of the (laughs) DCEU to kind of give you this journey as to where the audience feels about the DCEU as, as much as I love it, as much as some people agree with me with specific versions specifically. But how fed up people are, I guess, is what I'm getting at mm-hmm. over the course of the past 10 years. Because Man of Steel came out 10 years ago. Just can't believe it. Man of Steel had a opening of $116 million. Had a total worldwide of $667 million. And it made three times its budget. Okay. Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Bad theatrical, great extended edition. Opened to $166 million. Total worldwide, $872. It made 3.3 times its budget. Profitable. Suicide Squad, the third film in the DCEU, the original, had a box office opening of $133 million. Total worldwide, 745 million. It made 4.3 times its budget back. It was the most profitable DCEU film at that time. And it won an Oscar. Yes, it did. Can we just also look at that was the first three movies that they released? (laughs) 
like can you can you imagine for a minute if the marvel universe's first three movies were uh-huh. iron man civil war guardians of the galaxy <laughs> yeah yeah what the fuck yeah i listen there's hope in me that we get the air cut of Suicide Squad one day, mm. and I hope it's great. Because if so, I'd be furious if, because if it's great, then that means to me at least, Man of Steel, BVS, UE, Suicide Squad, Air, Wonder Woman, and Zack Snyder Justice League are all great, <laughs> and and they 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 just ruined it, you know, <laughs> and it's just like I now granted. Is that the story that they would have told had they had a full reign? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But under the guidelines of, hey, we need you to introduce the whole Justice League in this second film, and we need a Justice League film in two years, um, go. Yeah. Under those guidelines, I don't think anyone could have done better. I just don't think you need Suicide Squad in there. Probably not, but still could have been great yeah and i still think i'm hoping we get the air cut and if we do i hope it is great mm-hmm. what a shame if we get it and it's just terrible <laughs> yeah but anyway that was the first three films mm-hmm. the lowest grossing one was in the 600 millions right mm-hmm. let's look at the most recent three which would be black, black adam, adam shazam 2 and the flash okay <laughs> oh, God. black adam mm-hmm had an opening weekend of $67 million, higher than The Flash. It made two times its budget back, just shy of profitability, with a total worldwide number of 200... I'm sorry, of $391 million. The hierarchy of power (laughs) was not changed. Hold on, wait till we get to these other ones. (laughs) Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which, by the way, got too much hate. I like the movie. Mm. I do had an opening weekend of $30 million. Had a total worldwide of 132. It's one of the biggest box office bombs in comic book movie history. Morbius made more, I believe. Yes, I believe so. Making 1.1 times his budget back. And then you got The Flash, which opened to 55 in between Shazam and Black Adam it could end up grossing more than Black Adam, and I think it will internationally, especially because there's not... I think it will remain number one next weekend, even at the 30 million 50. Still, though... It did get hit with that B cinema score. Yes, which is not good. Black Adam had a higher cinema score with a B plus. Mm-hmm. And this could end up not making as much as Black Adam. I don't think it will. I think it will get to at least 400, mm-hmm. but it's not looking good. No. Especially not where Warner Brothers wanted it with how much money they spent promoting this movie. But but here, really quick. You know me. I love chaos. Mm -hmm. If Flash's drop is more than 60%, wow, first of all. Yeah. Secondly, if it makes less than Black Adam, do you know how badly I want The Rock to tweet something? <laughs> he would never. I, I don't think you understand how badly mm-hmm. I want The Rock to tweet. So, so badly. The Rock is back in the Fast and Furious universe. Yes. And I hope he just becomes unhinged. I hope so, too. I hope we get Dark Rock. <laughs> I hope so, as well. 
But yeah, um, basically, over the 10 years, people have given less and less of a shit about the DCEU. Which is great because they're rebooting it. Which yes. Which really is going to give them a lot of momentum yes. going forward. And, and I got to say, um, Mike DeLuca and Pamela Abdi, who run the Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. and they were in charge in between James Gunn and Hamada. Yeah. Their plan, allegedly, was to do one more Justice League film with the current cast and one more Superman film and then reboot it. Yeah. I think doing that brings a little bit more box office to the most recent films because then at least people know it's not for nothing. Mm-hmm. Because I, whether I like it or not, because it used to just be able to go to a movie and if it was a good movie, would get you to go. But Marvel and other things have trained audiences that shared universes are the new thing to do. Yeah. And a lot of people, I think, when they announced a James Gunn reboot last year are now saying, well, if it's not going to be a part of it, I don't give a shit. I'm not going to go. And I don't think that's most of the audience. But I do think it's a number of them. Mm-hmm. And I think even if they lied, which would have been terrible, but even if they said, like, oh, no, there's going to be one more Justice League film that these are all leading up to, I feel like at least you would have gotten people to go, like, okay, well, I want to see the finale of this world. Yeah, because, like, right now you have Blue Beetle and Aquaman, and while well, I'm semi-excited for them, it's yeah. like, well, what's kind of the what's the point? Yeah, yeah. Because it's not – it's in a universe that's non-existent anymore. Yeah, I – feel you exactly Mm -hmm. and it's a shame really because i personally despite what the internet may tell you i like the flash i think it's a good movie i do too i think shazam 2 was a good movie Mm. i thought black adam was a not terrible movie it's not great it's not even good really but it's not terrible i think i like it more than shazam i think you're smoking crack dude (laughs) i really do like like honestly just the kid alone kid alone was bad like that alone puts it below Shazam, even if everything else about the movie was better than Shazam. Okay, but The Rock's PR about Black Adam was at least funny. Mm-hmm. Zachary Levi's PR about Shazam was just sad. was just sad. <laughs> it was. And Black Adam just being like, we made some money. Hey, <laughs> just lying. Yeah. <laughs> they probably lied about Cre- their box. The, the creative accounting. Yeah, Damn. yeah, yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh. Good. Oh, Doctor Fate was the best part of it. I agree, Eddie. I think he was better than anything in Shazam. I will give you that. <laughs> I will give you that. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, do you want to predict next week's box office? Yes, we should, shouldn't we? Yes. Um. Hmm. How limited is Asteroid City? Pretty limited. And yeah. even if it does, I will say, even if it did open wide. I wouldn't put it in the top three. I'm not thinking three, but I'm thinking if Mermaid has a 50% mm. drop, that gets it to around five. Okay. That's kind of where I'm at. I don't really know how limited it is, to be honest with you. All right. I think I got my predictions. All right. You want to go ahead? Yep. Number one. These are going to be nutty, by the way. Okay. Number one, The Flash. Okay. Number two, No Hard Feelings. Okay. Number three, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Number four, Elemental. Number five, Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Okay. Okay. I think think the Jennifer Lawrence comedy is going to do better than people think it is i'm gonna go with flash mm-hmm. spider-man elemental 
No Hard Feelings, Transformers. Wow. Okay. We have not had a hit comedy hit comedy in a long time. That's true. And I I think it might get good word of mouth if it is good. Mm-hmm. I don't think enough to... So you're banking on legs for no hard feelings. Yes, okay. not, not up front. That's fair. That's fair. All right. All right. Well, bold. Both of our choices, pretty bold. Brave and bold. <laughs> Fucking A. <laughs> Got to uh, back. But yeah, um... Sorry that the show was a bit unorthodox this week. There was just so much DC stuff and mm-hmm. so much to tackle, but I'm glad we did it. Thank you for the good show, my good sir. Thank you, sir. And uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. I've been Dalton Burdett. I've been that guy, Ricky. And we'll see you next time. 